What up, everybody? You are listening to Save Savage Podcast. This is sweet. Sorry for the wait. I know it's been a little bit since I've came on. And um, yeah, things have been happening. I now have a 13-year-old. So woohoo to me. I got a teenager. So just navigating through that. Um, also, I had a first grader and a middle school kid, another one, my middle son, he just started middle school. So all my kids have milestones. So I've decided to just really give them like my attention with me being a crisis worker and doing my own business. Sometimes I can think that they're good because they're really great kids, but God showed me just really to pay more attention to them and watch them and then be able to be there when they do need me. So just doing that preventative work so it won't be a down, like a response to whatever is going on in their life. I'm already being proactive so they know that I'm here. So it'll be just like practice for when they do need something. They'll know like, oh, my mom's here for me. Oh, she's not too busy. Oh, she's right there with me. So that's what I have been doing. Um, I hope your weeks have been going well. I hope that you guys have been blessed and just been getting the favor of God and that he's been speaking to you guys in leaps and bounds because it's so amazing when God speaks to you. Um, so speaking of that, <laughs> our church has been doing the emotionally healthy spirituality um, for, I want to say like two months now, two or three months and it's been amazing. Um, a lot of confirmation of things that God has already shown me, but definitely some new stuff. Of course, every time you look at something, God is just going to blow your mind over and over. So I, you know, I expected it to be some new stuff. Um, specifically this month, we have been focusing on the emotionally healthy woman. So we've been having amazing women come and do TED Talks about how we can quit doing eight things that will cause us to be emotionally healthy because sometimes us as women we do have some emotionally unhealthy habits that we just use as survival and this is the season I believe that God is calling us out of a lot of the misconceptions that we have um, and calling us into a place where we can really rely on him because essentially that's what I gather from all the speeches and the talks is that God really wants us to be led by the Holy Spirit. He will really wants us to come away with him and spend time with him. He wants us to know that he attends to our angers, our fears, our hurts, our worries. He wants us to know that he wants to attend to our hurts and that we don't have to blame anyone. Um, he wants us to know that if we put him first, he will make everything work and he will give us our purpose so we don't have to overfunction. And he also wants us to know that our identity is found in him. So we don't have to live up to anybody else's expectations of who we are. So those are awesome nuggets that I have been getting from um, church. Um, when the men were speaking in October about setting limits, setting boundaries, about um, it being a family thing, about building community, um, just really staying in your, your rightful place as a believer in the authority that you have. 
So it's it's just been eye-opening, um, to say the least. So I said all that to say, um, for this past week, I have really, really um, been just peeping emotions from other people and myself and learning how to look more like Jesus, especially in my face, because <laughs> God has definitely been worth watching, helping me watch my mouth and taming my tongue. But I also know that my face gives a lot of stuff away. So me now I'm being aware of what my face looks like when I'm talking to people and I'm not perfect. So sometimes I don't catch it always. So I'm sorry if you might have caught a side eye or you might have got a puzzled look on my face when you were talking to me. Um, God is still working on me. So don't worry. Um, I'll get it eventually. He's great. His grace is new. His mercy is new every morning. So, yep, as long as I'm living and I'm breathing, he's definitely going to perfect that inside of me. Um but I just been noticing like, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do with this information that I'm getting? Because I see I'm getting it a lot. I'm getting it at my job. I'm getting it with my my son and my, my daughter because she's a teenager. Um, that our emotions, they definitely have a place because you created us to have emotions. Um, and I'm aware that you want us to tend to that, but a part of the work that I do is social emotional intelligence. So that's awareness of self, awareness of how others perceive you, awareness of your place in society, um, and like how to navigate through all of that. So I've been really like, okay, God, take me deeper, take me deeper in what you want me to do. Cause I know like, this is just new ground. This is new territory. I'm not really sure what's going on, but I know it's something. So help me not to miss it in the midst of all this. So this week in my quiet time, I've been really focusing on um, God gave me this growing peace. Um, and for me, that basically means I looked at the scripture of the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, where um, Jesus was talking about there was a sower and he was just throwing his seed just wherever. And um, some fell on rocks, some fell on thorns and some fell on good soil. And the effects that where the seed was planted, it determined where if and where the, the fruit would yield. So the thorns, of course, didn't have any fruit. They never yielded what the seed was planted for. Um, and on the rocks and stuff, some of them grew up, but they grew up with thorns and they were choked out. But the ones that landed on good soil, they actually produced some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. 100 fold, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. And that is the scripture reference of Matthew 13 all the way down to 24. So, um, I was like, okay, God, I remember that scripture. Of course, you know, that's something that they teach in Sunday school, the parable of the sower. But God had me look at the text again. So when I was reading it, I was taking it line by line. And the first line said... The same day 
Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside, and a great multitude gathered together unto him, so that he went into the boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood at the shore. So for me, I'm like, dang, Jesus tight, because he set boundaries and they ain't even know it. He's coming out of the house, so he's walking away from something to to me to get peace. And then these people, they just surround him because they know who he is. So he hold like, okay, cool. I know what y'all here for. He gets in the boat and he teaches them. And then it says, he spake so many things to them into parables saying, behold, there was a sower who went forth to sow. So it's dope that to me, it's like, I wanted to know what was Jesus doing that he had to walk out the house? Like why, why was he dipping out? So I went back to chapter 12 because I've always heard that it's good to read the scripture before, the scripture after, so you can get context. But I went back to the whole chapter. So the first chapter um, that I went to was Matthew 12, and it talks about how Jesus and his disciples, they were on Sabbath. This is the first part of the chapter, but they were on a Sabbath and the disciples, they were hungry. So they picked some corn and the Pharisees were like, dude, get your people. They're being unlawful. And Jesus like, and this is my, the hood version. Okay. This is the hood version. So <laughs> they're like, Jesus, like get your, get them fam. Like they're being unlawful. Jesus like, um, did y'all not read what David did? With the men who was with him when they were hungry, they came into the temple, ate the showbread. That was something that only priests were supposed to do. And then he went further, but Jesus was so smooth. So part of me, so what I noticed about me and what I noticed about Jesus is Jesus had a good control over his emotions. No matter what was going on, he was good. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Peter was trying to cut off the, when Peter did cut off the guard's ear. When they were about to betray Jesus and he was about to be crucified, Jesus was still calm. Like, they're a whole finna come get him to kill him. He knew they were coming to get him to kill him. His countenance was was good. You know, like, if that's not God, I don't, I, I just, I'd be so in awe. I am so in awe of God. When I look at the example of Jesus and how he walked on his earth and how he was just like chew he faced a lot of adversity i don't like people stepping on my shoe let alone somebody trying to come to me and arrest me like i don't be on that or even with the <laughs> the pharisees and how they were telling him about his disciples my line would have been like why you don't want to mind your business? Like, is this your corn? Why are you worried about what we doing? And it's a scripture that says, mind your own business. So I would have whole went back to the word like, uh, you know what you could do. You could follow the word and mind your business. <laughs> but I noticed that Jesus, he never does that. He just points them back to the law that they follow. The word that they know. He just says, did you not read this? Do you not know this? Every time. And these people would have got on my nerves. So after Jesus tells him about uh, the Pharisees, about what David did. And he said, this is verse five. 
Or have you not read in the law how the, on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? So, a little side note. I always think that David was a priest because one, he ate that bread. Two, he had a linen ephod when he was dancing about his clothes. Those are garments that only priests are supposed to have. Um, When he offered that sacrifice to God, um, when he bought that, that land, that threshing floor from that man and said, I wouldn't offer to God something that which caused me nothing. Those are like sacrifices that priests make. And then um, even at this part where after Jesus talks about David, how he entered the house and ate the showbread. And then he says, have you not read in the law how the on the Sabbath days, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? So to me, like I, I always think of David as a priest. I always look at that because he did a lot of stuff that only priests could do. And if Jesus right here is saying like on the Sabbath, they profane the Sabbath and are blameless. I, I think he just was confirming that. But that's just me. Feel free to debate with someone else um but then after that they went in the temple so jesus told them like okay they um are priests are blameless on the sabbath and i say to you that the one in this place is greater than the temple and he said the son of man is lord even of the sabbath day so he just hold like just let them know like i'm god um and then he departed and went into their synagogue. So Jesus was whole, like, not even about to keep going back and forth with them. He went in the synagogue. Then there was a man whose hand was crippled. And before Jesus could even heal this man, the Pharisees are like, so you is it is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? So for me, I would have just side-eyed him like, dude, like, you don't got nothing else to do but to follow me around. <laughs> but he didn't. He said, which one of you who have a sheep in a ditch on the Sabbath day and you wouldn't pull them out? And isn't a man more important than a sheep? And also, it's lawful to work on the Sabbath or it's a lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And that is verse. Those are the paraphrased verses from verse nine to twelve. And then, of course, he healed the man and his hand was restored whole like as the other one. And then the Pharisees then got super mad. They was on fire and they started to just like plot against him and plot to destroy him. But Jesus had already knew that. So he like, OK, whatever. I'm about to move around. So Jesus is trying to leave. And then, of course, an another crowd, the multitude, they come and he heals them all. So Jesus just dealt with. Two situations where people try to front him in front of company. I hate being fronted. One thing that I don't like is if if you know me and we in front of mixed company and you try and tell me something like that I'm doing or like just being like low key throwing shade and stuff. I don't like that. So I feel like they were just trying to like tell Jesus they knew who he was and who people said he was. But they were always trying to correct him in front of folks like and he just, he was so smooth about it. He had really good control over his emotions. And he knew who he was. He even told them, like, the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath day. So, 
going back to those points of being emotionally healthy, knowing who you are in Christ, um, knowing what the word says, because you you definitely can use the word. The Bible says it is the whole armor of God using the word as the sword. That combats anything. If you use the word, you submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. You got to use your mouth to speak what the Lord is saying. Not what you're saying, but what the Lord is saying. And that helps us get out of so much trouble when we don't say what we want to say, but we say what God says. Um, So, yeah, those were just some little nuggets that I'm going to (laughs) drop. Okay, so after he healed them, um, this is another point to how smooth he was. Because it says that in verse 19, he shall not strive nor cry, nor shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, a smoking flax shall he not quench, till he sent forth the judgment in his victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. So this whole scripture, these two verses here are telling me, like basically, even it was prophesied before Jesus even had got here um, that he wasn't even going to, that he was going to be smooth. He wasn't going to be led by his emotions. He wasn't going to be led by um, what people were saying and doing to him. He wasn't going to be led by that. He was only going to be led by the spirit of God to fulfill what the Lord had said, which was dope. So after that, <laughs> then he was called to be working with Beelzebub and Jesus had already knew their thoughts. And he like, verse 25, it says, and Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. So it's like, Jesus, again, was just smooth. They were, they whole said he was the devil. How you gonna call God the devil? But he just smoothly got them together. Like, that don't even make sense, one. <laughs> like, two, like, practically it doesn't make sense. A house divided don't stand. Two, Listen to the spirit of God. Get it together. Don't blaspheme the whole. And this is the same. If you go down to verse 31, it talks about how not to blaspheme the Holy Ghost. So he gave them a, a, a stern warning. Don't do that. That's the sin that can't be forgiven. Um, And it also says in verse 36, but I say to you that every idle word that men speak, they shall give an account thereof on judgment day. So. That's another nugget for us. Remembering like every idle word we speak, we're going to have to give an account to it. So Jesus was just going through it all before he, even though he was going through all of that, he healed countless people. He healed a whole multitude. He healed a man's hand. He got the law straight because they were trying to confuse it and twist it and tangle it up. Um, then he talked about, um, Then he was tempted yet again, or not tempted, but they just kept trying Jesus and they asked him for a sign. He's like, I'm not going to give y'all no sign. Again, this is the hood version, but 
Jesus was much, much more smoother. Thir verses 38 through 45 shows that he was calm and he described how that's not what he was going to do. Um, and how Jonah spent three days in the um, whale's belly um, about Nineveh because he didn't want to talk to them and he don't want to let them repent. Um, but behold, somebody greater than Jonah is here and he was talking about himself. And he said the queen of the south shall rise but rise up and judge this generation. So he was talking about the queen of um, Sheba. And like basically letting them know like y'all are about to be judged worse than all of these other people who couldn't get it together because y'all think y'all know everything. And y'all won't take heed to who I am and y'all haven't caught the revelation who, of who I am. So then after that, so... The first thing, let's just break it down. The first thing, they were talking about his disciples. The second thing, they were talking about he shouldn't be healing um, on the Sabbath. The third thing, they said that he was working with Beelzebub. The first, the fourth thing, then they wanted a sign <laughs> saying like when the end times was near. The fifth thing happened was with his family. Um... And it talks about like who his brother was. And he answered, he said, who is my mother? Who is my brother? This is verse 48. And then he stretched forth his hand toward the people, toward his disciples. And he said, behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother, my sister and my mother. So that's all that happened that led up into the parable of the sower and the seed. Y'all, Jesus was so dope because he endured so much stuff for us. Me as a person, I get mad when I get two cranky clients. I got nine clients. And if I get two cranky clients in a row, I'm going home. I'm whole done. And I'm not answering my phone. I'm not doing none of that. I need to take a second. I need to take a breather. And it seems like God, um, Jesus was trying to take a breather, but people still needed him. And he was there. But he knew how to set boundaries. So he got into the boat. So even though like they just tried to talk to him about, oh, your brother wants you, your mama want to speak with you, which was in verse 46 of chapter 12. And like they were just pulling him, constantly telling him what did he need to be doing, what who he was and all of that. That's how the devil works. And he uses people to try and confuse your identity, confuse your roles and your responsibility to confuse um, your purpose and to confuse and to get your emotions all confused and have you overwhelmed with emotions and trying to like prove yourself and not one time did Jesus try and prove himself he just used the word that's what he said the only time he said something is said the son of man is lord even of the sabbath um so yeah so then we get to chapter 13 and he goes into the parables and he talks about um, the parable of the sower and the seed. Um, and then he gives a representation of um, what the parable of the tear, the tares meant, what the wheat and the tares were, and what the, the kingdom was going to look like, um, and how they were going to, how sometimes, how the wheat and the tares grow together, and how the... Verse 30 of chapter 13 says, let both 
grow together until the harvest. And at that time of the harvest, I will send the reapers, gather you together first the tares, and bind them in bundles and burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So that's just a depiction of how that's going to happen. The enemy will be bound up first. And burned. The enemy will be bound up first and burned. But the wheat will be gathered into his barn. So that's the depiction of um, heaven. And then if you look at Revelations, it talks about how the enemy will be um, in a lake of sulfur with a, like a glass um, cap, for lack of a better um, explanation. But if you look in Revelations, you'll see that depiction of how the enemy will be bound up and burning in a lake of sulfur forever, like to eternity. So like these... So I'm going to put another scripture out here. The light and momentary affliction that you have on earth are nothing compared to what the reward is going to be in heaven. So I'm just going to say right now and just speak into some people's lives that what you're going through right now is like compared to what God has for you. So if you can follow this example of Jesus and to let God be your vindicator and let the word work for you and to not be led by your feelings and emotions to have a sound mind in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the identity confusions, in the midst of all the role confusions, in the midst of all of what people are saying about your friends and your company that you keep. Um, if you're able to be able to be spirit led in this, you have a great reward that will come and don't get grow weary and doing well because you'll reap the harvest if you don't think. And then there's also a scripture that says the race is not given to the swift or the strong, but to those who endure. And there's an, yet another scripture that says it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by God's spirit. So being led by the spirit in this season is so important. Spending quiet time with God is so important because he wants to reveal the things that are hidden to you because he's made them known. But if we don't search out the word like hidden treasures, we will never know what God is saying about this time and this season. We'll never know what he's saying about our purpose and our plans. We'll never know what he's saying about our assignment. We won't be able to to see what what the time is what the time is. And even though man doesn't know the the day nor the hour that the son of man is coming back, but we're going to have to give account for everything that we're doing. Like the um the the parable of the with the talents, how when the the owner had gave everybody some talents and then one buried his talents in the sand saying that he knew that the owner was going to be harsh and he ended up getting his talents taken away. So it's so important to spend time with God because one, we have to know what type of talent we have. We have to know our giftings. And two, you have to know what to do with them because God has a plan and a purpose and it's good. And it's, he has an expected end for you. So if you spend time with God, you'll be able to know what his expected end for you is. And yeah, I'm just noticing. I'm so many people I know are doing so much good work in the community, in the schools, um, with their children, just being a light in the just in life and letting God use them and just really, really 
showing what it means to just depend on God. I was looking at Facebook earlier and I had to tell one of um my Facebook friends, like, God is speaking through you because the words that she was saying, I'm like, dude, her quiet time with God is probably lit right now. Just because of the revelation that she's giving off, it's like you can tell when people spend the time in the presence of God. It just it looks different. Um, so, yeah, you want you'll be able to see the glory of the Lord on you when you do spend time with God. Um, and it's not to to boast and say that you're spending quiet time with God or anything like that. But it's just it feels good when. You and God know that you have a relationship and you are desiring a deeper relationship with God. I like, I love God so much. And I always ask him to help me love him because honestly, I don't know how without him. So he has to show me And the way he shows me is he shows me through his word. He shows me when I'm sit sitting and I'm, I'm quiet and he'll give me images and he'll give me visions lately he's been speaking to me in dreams like so it's not always going to be the same thing but he's speaking and he wants our attention because he's just that amazing and he wants to talk to us he's a relational god and we're relational people um and he wants us to be able to be relational be relational without tension So understanding that everybody is not on the same steps as you. So, yes, we're following the way. Um, Even with Paul, excuse me, even in Paul, in one of his letters, he was saying, yes, I follow the way. So we are all following the way, but we're on different steps. So just because you've caught a revelation that somebody else haven't caught, That doesn't mean you go back to judge them. That means that you can help your brother up and be careful lest she fall. Or you can take it to God and pray about it. You don't have to cause people more harm and you know that they're growing. Let people grow in peace. That's what I was talking about earlier about growing in peace. Um, Right now I'm going to be going back to school for my master's in biblical studies So I'm excited about that because I really do um, know that God is calling me to do something great with the youth. Um, I have a vision of opening up a school. It's already written out. Um, I have talked to people about it and stuff like that. And I believe that this is just the next phase that God has for me in order to carry that vision out because I know it's a God vision. So it's not going to be my school. It's going to be multiple leaders who God has placed the same thing on their heart. And I know that in the right time, we're all going to come together and God's vision is going to manifest because our babies need it. So, um, yeah. In the meantime, I'm learning how to grow in peace. I'm learning how to put those buffers in place. Whereas I know that everybody is not where I am and to be able to guard my peace and set my boundaries and to respect theirs and let them grow in peace as well. So for what that looks like for me is I'll give you an example with my babies. I know my daughter, she's a teenager. I know that she um she hates like when people blame her attitude on her being a teenager. So I've learned to that's a trigger for her. So I've learned not to say it to her. I'm letting her grow in peace. She likes to say that she's her own individual and she is. 
Um, and she doesn't blame hormones for any of her thoughts, actions, or decisions. She says, she says, I'm not the rest of these kids. I'm not being a teenager. I'm being me. So letting her grow in peace, letting her have that, not trying to drill down her throat that these are hormones. And it's a fact that at this age, you go through this and your body's changing. Nope. She doesn't need that. She needs to grow in peace. She needs to be an individual. She needs to feel valued and supported in her, her thought process because she's so smart. I, I never want to tell my kids, um, unless it's something like that's going to harm them, that their way of thinking is like off. If it's not harming them, I want them to use as much of their creative brain as possible because that's how millionaires are made. <laughs> not only millionaires, but that's how pro- world changers are made because God gave us that mind. We have the mind of Christ. My babies have the mind of Christ. Um, I speak that over them. They speak it over themselves. They speak that they're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They speak that they're quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. So they're on the right track. They have their, their own relationship with God. So I trust that in her. So when she's saying things, I don't, I'm not so quick to judge her. I'm not so quick to be like a Pharisee and trying to tell her like, that's not lawful for you to do, or that's not how that's supposed to go. I'm letting them, um, be shaped into the image and likeliness of Christ and shaped in what his plans for them are. So, yeah, I just came on here to share um, my thoughts about how Jesus was a savage with his emotions. Like, he straight, like, had it together. Like, he had his flesh tamed. He was not playing with his flesh. No, I only do the will of my father. My, um... I eat off what the father says. That's my bread. (laughs) The will of the father is my bread. You know, it's just so dope how that was what Jesus said when he was with the woman at the well. And the disciples like, hey, we brought you lunch. And he's like, yeah, I'm already good. Like, I'm full off the will of my father. Um, So, yeah, I'm trying to get like Christ. We're managing these emotions and my facial expressions because... Yeah, sometimes it's a little rough. Um, Yeah, so let me know what you think. Let me know about what your thoughts of Matthew 12 and 13 were. And share with me some ways how you manage your emotions and what God has been showing you about them. Or what have you noticed about... um, Oh, so I almost forgot. But my friend Amarique is... She is doing this mental health challenge. It's like 30 days of mental health. And I caught in on like the last, this is now day three. So day one that I joined in. So it's like really day 16 of the challenge, but I just joined in like three days ago. So the first day I joined, it was prayer. Wake up 30 minutes early to pray, which the Holy Spirit was already ready for that because I woke up right on time. I'm like, oh, I like this challenge already. It's stretching me. It's causing me to grow. That was something that I wanted to do anyway because um, when my babies come back home, it's in the middle of the week. And sometimes when they're home, I tend to sleep a little bit later because we're all together and I sleep better when my kids are here. So um, I was able to get thirty up 30 minutes early. I was able to hop on a prayer call. And I was able to pray uh, pray on my own. The second day was um, to get tea with a friend that you haven't seen so long. And that's when I was reading about 
grow in peace um, in Matthew 13. That's when it really started for me. Like, oh, I'm learning that people need their time. They need their space to grow. They don't need, they need to be free from judgment when they're growing and free from um, critical spirits. Uh, Now I'm saying speak the truth and love definitely. But there's also a, a greater thing that you can do is pray for them. And ask God to reveal it to them, especially when if they're in a season where they're kind of wounded already. If it's not going to be fruitful, you might as well not say nothing. Don't cast your pearls on pigs. That's what the Bible say. They'll trample on it. Then they'll kill you. Then you'll be salty. Like, oh, I thought I was doing a good thing. Nope, you weren't. Use wisdom and discernment when it's time for you to say stuff and when it's time for you to not. So I'm like, yeah, hmm, I don't know about this tea thing. I think I want to just have tea with Jesus. So... Um, I ended up having a conversation with my brother. God is so dope that my brother who was in jail, he called me and we just talked, started talking about relationships and just different things. And I was like, Oh, he's so right. So that was like my tea talk with my brother. So I'm like, okay, like that'll work. But God is like, no, definitely not. So I reread the the challenge and it said somebody who you hadn't seen with in a while. So I was able to schedule tea with somebody who I hadn't seen in a while. And, um, like just this whole challenge just has made me really, really challenge myself and about my views and my opinions and my beliefs and how far I have to go because my facial expressions be bogus sometimes. And even though I don't say a lot of stuff that's negative, um, God checks me on my heart a whole bunch. He be like, girl, your heart is not right. So forget what your actions are saying. I judge the heart. People look at outer word appearances and I'm looking at your heart and you, you need to do another heart check. You need to. So I'm constantly like, God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, help me to acknowledge you in all my ways. Lord, help me to look like you. Help me to be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Lord, constantly purify my mind, constantly bring every thought into this um, subjection and obedience of Christ because I don't want to be outside of relationship with God because I'm salty at somebody else. That's not what I want to do. There's a scripture um, in 2 Corinthians that talks about getting away of all that hidden dishonesty. That's like when God is looking at your heart, you sitting over here and you your outward actions are showing that it's cool. But in your heart, you in turmoil against stuff. And that's not how God wants us to be. So the challenge for today was to not complain. So I was doing well. I woke up. My day has been shaking. Like it was cool. I got to do um, screen printing with some kids. I haven't done that in since like August. So I was really, really excited. I'm like, yay. I love doing this. I love doing what I um, love to do. I love doing my business. And then I was able to talk to some kids and give them some coping skills. So I'm like, there, like, yes, Lord, this is all me. Thank you, God. And then I got to talking to somebody and they were being, they were talking about their day and they were having a pretty rough day. And I immediately wanted to relate to them and wanted to tell them, you know, like, yeah, you know, be negative with them. And I had to pause and say, you know what, that's tough. So I didn't want to get into the murmuring and complaining or just having that like negative talk so I found myself saying that's tough instead of always trying to relate to bring come down to somebody's level and relate to them in a negative way so I have really been God has really been opening 
the eyes of my heart so I can see his wondrous works and to see how much that um, I'm still growing and that I need to grow. So I hope um, this message, I've said um like a million and seven times, y'all. Sorry. I have been saying that a lot lately. So, yeah, if you listen to this and you hear all them ums, and if you want to count them, I got some for you. Let me know how many it was. <laughs> you can, um, there's another one. So, you can reach me on Facebook at Benitria McGowan. Um, uh, my Instagram has been hacked, so I don't have a personal Instagram, but you can always write in the comments section of the podcast on the Anchor app. I believe you can do it on Apple too. We're pretty much everywhere. I'm also going to do a blog on the savesavage.wordpress.com. That should be out um, in the week. I'm not really sure when, but I'm lying. I'm going to do it today. That way it'll already be out. Um, Yeah, if you just hit me up if you need prayer. If you can tell me how many ums I said, I got something for you. If you have any questions or comments or concerns about what I've shared today, as well as how are you working on your emotions and what is God showing you about how to be a savage over your emotions like Jesus was a savage over his. He had his whole flesh tamed. So let me know what you guys think. I will talk to you guys soon. And I'm going to pray out before um, I end. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the opportunity to just share my thoughts and my heart. And what I believe that is your heart concerning your people on today. Lord, I ask that you just have let these words bless somebody where they are, where you want them to be blessed at and where you want the need to be filled at and where you want the growth to be lord i ask that you begin to even reveal it to them even now lord i ask that you touch your people in a mighty and spectacular way give them a desire to trust you in their life situations give them a desire to lean on you and depend on you and to love you with all their heart all their mind all their soul and all their strength lord give them wisdom because it's given without reproach, Lord. I ask that you remove all ungodly people and circumstances and places out of their way, Lord. I ask right now that you allow them to be able to see it. If you don't want them to be removed from those places, give them the strength to endure and to see you in all of it, Lord. We bind every attack of the enemy that is trying to choke out their purpose and their destiny and their plan right now in the name of Jesus. We declare that they shall flourish like the cedars in Lebanon. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that your people are waiting on you, Father God. They're waiting with earnest expectations to hear from you, Lord, and to be able to see your glory, God. I thank you, God, that we walk by faith and not by sight. I thank you that we are just wanting to be shaped into the image and likeliness of you, God. And I declare that your purpose will go forth. Because you said you have done a new thing and it shall spring forth now, God. So I thank you, God, that you have equipped us in the whole armor of God that we will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, Lord. 
I pray right now for those who have not accepted Jesus, that they come to know you as their Lord and Savior, that if they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that they shall be saved, Lord, and you will by no means turn them away, Father God. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have placed a hedge of protection around all of us, Lord, and that you will keep us in perfect peace and away from the um, attacks and the fiery darts of the enemy. So I thank you, God, and I praise you, and I seal this prayer with the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. So thank you guys for listening. I love you and I will talk to you guys soon.